Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. I'm super excited because today we don't have a guest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> today it's just me and Diego, and we're going to be catching up on who we are, what we do, what we're doing, how we're looking at the market, what things we're investing in, um, how interest rates and all that stuff is affecting what we're going to do. So make sure you listen to the end because we talk about everything. Diego, what's up, dude? What up, what up, Felipe? How are you? Man, I'm doing really, really good. Woke up, sunny outside. I'm going to go play golf after this uh, this podcast. But we don't have a guest today. Um, today, we're actually going to be talking about me and you, what we're doing Q2, uh, maybe what we did a little bit of Q1, and then where we feel that the state of the economy is going, right? Interest rates are rising. You're a realtor. I'm a wholesaler. So we're seeing it a little bit in our businesses. Um, but first, tell me a little bit about your week. You were in Miami recently, not living your best life. You were there learning from GoBros. What's up? Yes. And I mean, learning is living my my best life if you're a student of life. I love it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was there for a GoBundance event. And uh, I always love going to those events because every time that I go there, I'm in a different stage in my life asking different questions, right? And Tony Robbins has a saying that the quality of your life is in direct proportion with the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. So it's been really cool to see and this time i went more on what are the gobundance guys doing for the return on equity now that a lot of different areas in the united states uh have appreciated 20 to 30 percent year over year in the last two years so um asking them about different things uh that was really cool and for the people that don't know that GoBundance Mastermind Group is a mastermind for um, people that have a net worth of over a million dollars. And uh, there's guys that have 10, 20, um, and they've been my mentors since 2014. So I've been able to go there and it's been really cool. It's been really cool. So what do they say? What are their feels right now in the economy? What is everyone talking about? Like, what is, let's get in the ear of those conversations. You know, some of us weren't at Miami at the event. So, you know, what are the next level people talking about in regards to the state of the economy, real estate, business, all of it? Yeah. So two things. Um, The main thing that they're doing right now is on the equity side is seeing what they are doing to basically repurpose or re re like seeing how they're going to be playing the monopoly game right to see how they're going to be repurposing their portfolio either selling a couple of properties that they may have some capex expenses coming soon but they want to take advantage of the appreciation so then they're going to do 1031 exchange uh, into a bigger deal, or they're going to sell the property, not feel rushed, still invest in a bigger deal in the future. But even though that they will pay taxes on that money, they're actually going to be doing cost segregation because this is the last year that they can actually take bonus appreciation and cost segregation. 
and then that way they still don't pay taxes, but they have more time. And Felipe, you just did a TikTok or or a story on um, on cost segregation on your cabin. So maybe you can explain that for the listeners. It was a really good story. Yeah, absolutely. So what I did was <clears throat> I bought a cabin, uh, I bought three cabins in the Smoky Mountains uh, for Airbnb. And what we did was we cost seg studied the cabin to see how much depreciation we can take. So typically on a house, rent a property, whatever, you can depreciate the property over 27 and a half years. When you do a cost seg, you're basically forcing that into five years and you can take like a large portion of that the first year. So for example, we did the cost seg study and it came back at, uh, I think it was like 50 or $60,000 of tax saving. Now in my tax brackets, 30 something percent. So I'll take that percent of, uh, of that price. But basically I'm able to, instead of depreciating my property over 27 and a half years, I can compress that into five years and I'm able to take a lot of that the first year um, and then one of the biggest questions I got after that Diego was like, well, are you going to sell it after five years? I'm like, no, I'm still going to keep it. There'll be other tax things that I can do. But um, I, t- I, basically a cost seg is for a professional real estate investor so they can take all of their tax breaks from 27 and a half years, compressing it into um, I'm taking a lot of it the first year. <clears throat> um, now I have uh, two other cabins and rental properties and a bunch of other stuff that I'm doing it on as well, because like you said, and most people are talking about this, and if you're not then you maybe need to get into different circles. But a lot of people are talking about how the uh, cost seg bonus depreciation is not going away, but it won't be 100%. I think it's going to be at 80% going forward. So you're losing 20% of that right off the top. So a lot of people are doing it now and are going to use it later because you don't have to use it right the same year. Yeah, yeah. So th- so that was one of the things that we, that we talked about, right, on on return on equity, on seeing what they're going to do with the portfolio, CapEx. And then one of the things that we talked about, too, was when they're running their numbers on their pro forma, uh, let's say that they are buying a multifamily and they're telling their investors that they're going to be refinancing the property in two or three years, they are being a little bit more conservative now on the interest rate that they're going to refinance that property. So a few years ago, or even like to last year, um, right? Like I bought an investment property in 2020 and the interest is Mm 3.5, which is insane. And now people are, uh, I just saw an investment property for somebody in rat race actually at 6.1 interest rate, right? So what they're doing to be conservative and to make sure that they're that they're running their performance the right way is when they're doing the refinancing in year two or three, um, they are putting a higher interest rate to make sure that all of the numbers work for the investor and that there's no surprises years later. No, that's very true. Now, before we move on from COSEG, tell the story of the um, COSEG study you did on the quadplex in McAllen. I think you got it for free. Uh, after the cost seg or something like that, like when you run the numbers past the cost seg, talk about that. Because here's the thing, Diego, people don't realize, like people always think buy a property cash flow, like that's it. Like they don't ever look at the other four pillars of real estate, which in my opinion are cash flow, taxes, loan pay down and property appreciation. So they only look at one of the four pillars and then they try to build the whole deal on that one pillar, not knowing that there's three other um, stools to sit on, I guess you could say, right? Uh, think about a stool. It's got four four poles, right? Like even if you take one off, a stool can still sit on three. But anyways, talk about the fourplex and how your cost sex study came back super nice. 
Yeah. So basically, in a couple of years ago, I bought a property in uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, and um, we bought it cash. But after we did a cash out refi, we basically left um, seventy five thousand. We we got back seventy five thousand. So basically, that quadplex cost us twenty five thousand dollars. A few years later, I do a 1031 exchange into a quadplex that was brand new. And uh, I use all of that money, which was around 100000 that we've had in appreciation, into the next quadplex. The quadplex was around 400000 We put down 20%, so 100000 So imagine, we are into this deal still 25,000 which was what we had bought technically that first quadplex for now what happens is last year we did a cosec study and we were able to depreciate that property a hundred thousand dollars that first year which is was around 20 percent which was the down payment so now the k1 for that company uh from from that property comes at a negative $100,000. And this means that because I own this property with a business partner, the part that I can deduct is 50,000 from my taxable income. Yeah, that's huge. And I think like like you said I think people when they first start out they don't realize that that that, that real estate has like a lot of different superpowers you could call them, right? not just the cash flow. So when you run your data points or your numbers or when you're looking for, I would never buy a property that doesn't cash flow from day one, but that doesn't mean that I'm not looking at the other numbers that's going to give me aside from cash flow. Cash flow keeps the business afloat, but everything else like taxes, loan pay down, all that kind of stuff also needs to come into play. So that's that's kind of like about what cost sex study. Diego, let's move on. What are what are the 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 GoBundance guys? You, what are you seeing as a realtor in the market right now? The interest rates are going up. People are kind of freaking out. Um, and then before you answer that question, though, it's it's actually really interesting because in Rat Race, the our mastermind, we talked about this in the past where people are like, "Oh, it's a it's a three point two interest rate. If I don't get under a three point like I don't know that I'm gonna buy it." And I remember saying like, "Guys." Dude, if it, like buy anything under five years, you know, from these last three years, I'm like just buy it. Trust me, it makes sense. Um, so what are what are people seeing now that in, now that they see that interest rates are going up and they're like, oh, man, I wish I would have bought it at three or a four. What are you seeing in the market as a realtor in, in high end Austin? Yeah. Uh, so we are seeing that there are less multiple offer situations. Uh, where, to give you an example, I, I was helping this client and the last two comps, they went on the market, let's say at 1.2 million and they sold at 1.4 million. Mm-hmm. Now, in one weekend, this time, because we knew that the market was changing a bit, interest rates, it was Easter and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, we were able to put it on their contract at asking price. Okay. And uh, and we did submit under asking, and it was one of the first times that we did submit under asking in a while. Uh, but we were, but they use the excuse, "Hey, we might want to wait because it was slow this weekend, but we're still getting showings, but no offers." Where before right. they could have gotten like ten offers, fifteen offers. So we were able to get this one at asking price, but I knew that the buy that the sellers were expecting. 100,000 over asking or 200,000 over asking. So there's definitely less buyers in the 
in the market right now. Now, do you think that there's, okay, definitely less, less buyers, but do you think that there's like, that people are maybe just getting an apartment for a year and waiting and then like the boom is just going to have like a hiccup, like after people uh, are still moving to Austin, but they're like, maybe I'll just wait to buy and I'll rent for a year to see if the rates go down. What do you think people are doing? I think a little bit of both because right. the people that are needing to buy, they are buying. Right. Like right. like these these clients, this family, they're like, look, we need to be in a house by the first week in June um, and we're going to buy a house because we're going to buy a house. Because there was no excuses. Uh, we have other ones that are a little bit more. Hey, I think we might rent. But now rents have gone up in Austin 30 percent, too. Mm -hmm. So um, so that's the other thing. Last last time uh, during COVID, I helped uh, one of my investors to rent his house for like 1350 or 1400 and now we just found a tenant at 18 1850 uh oh. so that's a big jump uh yeah. and it rents right at the end of the day like we we had applications we had a lot of calls um so the people that are wanting to wait that's fine too but they are also paying higher rent so before we get into our investing strategies and what we're doing i'm curious so the people that bought last year that were paying over asking that wasn't cash flowing last year, are they cash flowing now? They are cash flowing now. They are cash flowing now. So but they then, risked it. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, continue and then I'll share. I was going to say, so they risked it the first year for appreciation, which is one of the pillars of real estate. And then cash flow came in after. Now, as an investor, I wouldn't do that. But in this situation, I should have because two years ago, you could still buy a property, a quarter million or whatever that wasn't cash flowing. But now it would have been cash flowing. Plus, you would have caught the appreciation and so forth and so on. Um, but yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, but but now also one of the things that's important, like that because property taxes have gone up <laughs> uh, now, they are still like that unfortunately because a lot of investors have been talking about this is they're just going to pass on those taxes the, the increase in property taxes to the renter right uh which is unfortunate because that's going to cause rents to go up again but yeah. that's why there's that incentive of buying a house right because when you buy a house too there's there's the tax deductions too so felipe that was the fifth part too you 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 deduct property taxes and you deduct yeah insurance and all this other stuff um so those are things that that are interesting right now in the market and uh but people are still moving right and then the other thing is to consider is that now is the time um i feel where some investors are either going to want to sell uh to be able to tap on on that equity that has been built uh but what you said earlier was really true those investors that risked it, right? Uh, because I was helping people buying houses, 50 over asking, 80 over asking. And I was telling you, Felipe, it's like, dude, I lost the deal. We submitted 150 and we still didn't get it. Um, those people that risked it, um, they became the new comps. And, uh, and by them doing that, when there was still that high demand, people were still paying even more. So those people have uh, that risked it that way in an appreciating market um, was a good risk from that perspective. Yeah. 
you know, it's interesting because uh, I remember seeing you in 2020, 2021, like still selling homes there. And I didn't understand why people were paying so much over that it didn't cash flow. But, you know, now that risk has really paid off. People are making two, three hundred thousand dollars in appreciation in three years, you know, repurposing. Now, that was the first half. Now, repurposing that equity to a higher um uh, investment or a more stable investment like a proper like um, apartment complexes and stuff like that uh, talk about the 16 and 34 unit that we've purchased uh, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before and and how we got that and what we're doing with those yeah so the uh, the 16 unit that we got I believe it was in April or May of last year uh, we bought it with three other partners, you, you, myself, and three other partners. Mm -hmm. And uh, we bought it putting 50, 55,000 55, down each. And um, what's been really good about it, too, is that we were doing, we were able to do cost seg, and um, it came at negative quarter million dollars. <laughs> I think so, so yeah. Yeah. So, or, yeah, so we're, so the company is going to be able to depreciate uh, it was 230,000. Yeah. Um, so now each partner will be able to get around 50,000, uh, in, in depreciation on the K one minus some other expenses. Since we bought it last year, there were other expenses. There were some renovations that we did on the property too. Uh, so what's cool about that is that the mortgage was getting paid by the tenants we were able to turn a few of those units, but then now we're also not gonna be paying taxes on, like we're gonna be able to reduce our taxable income. Um, and that literally is just playing the money game. It That's is. It's all it is. It's just moving money around. Yeah. When when I was on the construction site, you know, back six, seven years ago, um, my mom would always tell me that because she's been cleaning houses since 1991, bro. Wild, like like since I was born, she's been cleaning houses for thirty years, and she would she would she always has told me since I was in since I can remember she's like Felipe um, in Spanish she would say Felipe esta gente no más se mueve de una casa a otra, like she's saying that they just move from one house to the next back and forth like she's like it's imagine like a community of ten people they're just buying each other's homes and changing and trading, and I'm like and I never understood why but now I definitely understand that they're doing it just for tax benefits, tax incentives, appreciations, hiding their money. They're just moving money around. And, and that's exactly what we do as investors. We buy this rental property, then we buy a bigger one, then we buy a multifamily. Like the game of monopoly is literally what you want to base it off of. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. You know, the 16 unit, the 34 unit, they're, they're all, did we buy them for cash flow? Yes. Um, are we using the cash flow? No, we're repurposing the property. We're going to refinance, get our money out and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, so Diego, what is next? What do you think is next in the economy right now that interest rates are high? Where should people be investing? What should people be buying? Uh, what should you be looking out for? Yeah. And what are you doing right now? And then I'll, I'll answer the same question. Yeah. So right now, what, uh, what people really need to be on the lookout for is they better still, their numbers better still be working with the interest rates, even going higher. Mm -hmm. Right. That is that is a must. I would say if the numbers make sense, still buy. Don't just be like, hey, I'm going to chill for the next six months. If the deal makes sense now, do it. Because if interest rates go down in a couple of years, you can always do a refinance. You mm -hmm. can always do that. So it's not like like you're stuck with that loan 
for for a while. One of the things that I'm seeing now, um, I've had conversations with two people that they're getting uh, five-year arm loans, so where the interest rates are going to be fluctuating for a little bit until they are able to decide when they want to actually put a 30-year, when they want to lock in a 30-year loan. Right. So, but what this allows them to do is to pay less on the mortgage um, and then be able to risk it a little bit, play play the game, but with the goal of locking in their rate year in the, uh, like in, in the future. Um, so that's something that's interesting too. Yeah, it blows my mind because um, people for a while, um, like during 2019, 2020, 2021, the last couple of years, people were like, oh, well, I'm going to wait for the next crash to buy. And then COVID hit and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to wait till after COVID. And now interest rates are high. And they're like, I'm going to wait till after interest rates. And it's like, bro, that's seven, eight years that you've been wasting where you could have gotten loan pay down, cash flow, tax, tax incentives. Like I say the same thing to our mentees and rat race. Like <clears throat> at every level of investing, whether the market is high, the market is low, interest rates are high, interest rates are low you can continue and should continue to invest as long as the numbers work. Run your numbers correctly, do the math, make sure that the property is paying itself and working and you'll be fine. Trust the system, trust the process, trust the numbers. Don't stop buying because of the state of the economy. If you're always waiting for the state of the economy to be in a perfect condition, then you missed it. It's never going to be perfect. An investor doesn't buy the economy. The An investor buys and then structures with the economy. So if the interest rates are high, then rents are going to go up. If you know, and all the, and either way, if you're not buying, you're going to be paying rent anyways. So in, in my opinion, most people need to jump in, take action and continue to invest because that's the only hedge that you have against inflation. Um, putting your money in real estate. Uh, I always just call it God's money, gold, silver and dirt. Like that is where I'm always putting my money. Uh, yeah. Question for you, Diego. What uh, what are you doing right now that the market is kind of kind of, uh, um, you know, interest rates are high. Uh, the last property that I purchased, I believe, was a cabin two or three months ago. Uh, and I'm, you know, I haven't bought anything in like two or three months. I'm itching, man. I'm like looking to find the next deal, the next investment. What are what are you doing right now? Well, right now I am doing a couple of things. Uh, I am fine. I was able to find a lender, a commercial bank to to give me the opportunity to get a HELOC, a home equity mm. line of credit on my primary home. Uh, I think I'm gonna be able to tap into around 200,000 that with that money, I will be using it either for transactional funding or maybe doing other deals. Now, we are also, again, looking the, the property that you and I have, Felipe, in Antioch, we are in the process too of exploring and actually doing it, the the possibilities of going to a smaller bank them refinancing the first the the loan that's in first position and them giving us a line of credit on an investment property uh with 60 with 75 percent ltv um they were gonna do 65 percent at first but because felipe has relationship with the bank and because we're seasoned Investors, investors they were able to to give us 75 um so that's one of the things that that we're doing we're going to be able to refinance a loan that's 165 and we're going to be able to get a line of credit of around eighty two thousand. 
Now, Felipe, yeah. can you share a little bit on the on that relationship that you have with a bank and why having relationship with banks is so good, especially with small banks? <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting because um, I don't think people ever realize that a bank and you is, is, is a two-way street. It's not just you going in asking for loans, you going in, putting your money. It's a relationship-style bank. Uh, and most banks are going to be like this. And in anything, not just banks, life, real estate, all that partnerships, right? Um, yeah, so I have, I've been with Mr. King, my banker, for six, or since I was 16 years old. He opened my first bank account, and I'm 30, going on 32 now. Uh, so he's had my business for 15 plus years. So when I asked him about this, you know, he was, he was quick to uh, look into it, I guess you could say, where most banks might just dismiss it because it's not a cookie cutter system. It was like, okay, Diego and I have a house together. Diego is DACA. I'm a res. I'm a citizen. We have rental properties separate, but we also have rental properties together. We would like to refinance this, but not cash out. But we want to put a line of credit on the equity. So a mix between a burr and a line of credit. Um, can you help us out? And he was like, yeah, let's figure this out. So I think it was maybe no, no more than 10 emails explained. And we didn't even have to get on a phone call until the last email just to confirm everything. But basically, because of the relationship that I have with my banker, you know, he's able to work with me because he knows he's going to continue to have my business going forward. Uh, and this is just another step in the relationship. He knows that I'm going to go through with it, not move my business <clears throat> elsewhere. He's had my business for 16 years. Uh, he has seen me grow and scale. So there is huge power in having partnerships. And in fact, me and Mr. King go out to lunch all the time. Um, you know, I take my banker out. I'm like, hey, let's just go grab breakfast. Let's go grab a cup of coffee just to talk. Uh, and he loves that as well, right? And this way he's in touch with uh, what I'm doing. Uh, and, and and it's not just like, hey, I need something. Let me call the bank. And it's like, oh, hey, I haven't heard from you in a year. You know, I don't even know what you're doing. So make sure that you keep those relationships with your bank so that um, you know and they know the state of your business and you can continue to uh, take out loans or, or leverage banks towards investing. Yeah, exactly. And even if it's sending them cookies once a quarter or a bottle of wine or like breakfast tacos, donuts, whatever, um, because you want them to pick up the phone first thing when they see that you're calling or a text Absolutely. message, right? Is those, those relationships that make the, like, it will get you into places faster than, than you think. And some people underestimate the power of small gifts. Um, so make sure that you do that. And Felipe, it's interesting because you've been telling me or you've been sharing with, with Rad Race, like that you take out your lender to lunch. I did that with a commercial lender and uh, he had my PFS and a few other things, uh, but he brought that to lunch and he even had my credit score <laughs> and I was like, oh shoot, <laughs> what is my credit score? Um, so, um, but what was good is that in that conversation, I told him, about me wanting to get a HELOC and he told me, yes, we can do it, um, but it has to be your primary. And even though we had some conversations, it wasn't until actually we sat down that he confirmed that he could do it. He saw my PFS, he saw everything that I had going on. And um, so, yeah, it was good. Taking action on what other people say, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. It's funny because we always can learn from each other, right? Like, what is Diego doing? What is Felipe doing? What is rat racing? Like, exactly. you can always learn. Like, don't ever think that you're the best in the room. Like, there's always room for improvement little by little, which is how I believe people really scale in the world. Um, 
Let's move on to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Hey, hey, oh, hey. I should have the pepa song. <laughs> <laughs> Puerto Rico. I, I know, I know. Okay, so what's going on in Puerto Rico, man? We have somebody there, boots on the ground, that's looking at some properties that we might want to buy. Yeah. Um, I got the WhatsApp channel thing yesterday. In my opinion, Diego, like now just talking, I yep. really like it. I still like it. It's little. Uh, it's cute. Like it's not going to take a lot of money to get it up to up to par. Um, you know, I, I think that we could really make that make that work. Um, I know that um, Paul, our, our, our business partner down there is kind of like, oh, it's smaller than I thought. And I'm like, well, to me, that just means that it's going to take less money to get it up to where we need it with some great pictures and throw it on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But talk about the Puerto Rico property, how you went down there to clear your mind. And now you think you want to buy down there or we are going to buy, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I went to Puerto Rico one random day, uh, because it was snowy here in Austin. And when, what happens when it gets icy in Austin, Austin shuts down. Like yeah. totally no schools, no restaurants, everything closes. So I called Paul and I was like, Hey, are you in Puerto Rico? He said, yes. So I was all right, I'm coming tomorrow. So I flew down there. It was sort of like an impromptu trip, but what ended up happening is he began to say that he wants to invest in some areas that he's been basically walking and driving for dollars. And in us talking about it, he's like, why don't we just drive around there right now? It's like, all right, let's do it. So what turned into a uh, trip to dance some salsa, hang out, it actually turned into a business trip, which which was great. And uh, we drove through different areas and saw those small homes uh, that can go for around 50 or 60,000 that may have some great potential for Airbnb. They're minutes away from, from the beach, from the ocean. So it will be... I think that this one will definitely be a good opportunity to get our like to get our feet wet in a market that we don't know. But again, coming and using our unfair advantage, right? Our like the things that we can offer when we partner up with somebody for us is the ability that we can buy that house cash, fund the renovation, and Paul uh, has the knowledge and the resources down there. He's going to be in Puerto Rico managing the project with us for us. So basically as partners, we are creating a great opportunity. Um, and then who knows, maybe that's a little small one focusing on first base hits rather than going to a home run right away. Yeah, I agree. I like the property because it's, um, like you said, it's just being able to get our foot in the door, get our feet wet, um, learn about Puerto Rico, learn about, you know, pulling permits if we have to, how does it work to pay people? Like everything that it takes. I would rather learn that on a $50,000 home than a $250 home down there. Right. So it's like, okay, that went pretty smooth. Let's scale it up. Let's buy a multifamily or let's buy something closer to the beach. Why don't we just buy a condo? Right. Um, or we're going to learn that the weather probably down there, right? Like they get a lot of storms and stuff. So like, how does that work? Insurance, uh, taxes, like so it's like learning that on a $50,000 home to me is way more important um, than just actually like getting it on Airbnb and starting the cash flow, right? Like there's like, okay, let's take this day by day. In my opinion, it's going to take us a whole year to finish it, Airbnb, start the refinance process, like like to do all that stuff before we start making super good money or even making money. I think it's going to take close to a year. Um, but I know that going in and I'm going to get to learn a new market. So for me, that's super crucial, uh, exactly. getting to see like that, that whole thing. And like you said, it's using our, our, our unfair advantage with Paul, um, and saying, Hey Paul, you know, you have the time, we have the money, let's put this together and let's see about buying a, a Airbnb in Puerto Rico. 
Um, and in my opinion, and this is just me throwing a haymaker <coughs> here, or I'm sorry, a Hail Mary here, I believe that Puerto Rico is going to be a, a travel destination here in the next five to six years because of how pretty it is, right? Like it's already growing and scaling. Um, and and a, all the tax incentives and the tax benefits, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are moving down there, a lot of crypto holders. The Paul brothers, like Jake Paul and um, El Otro, his brother, like they're down there as well. So like, I really feel like a lot of people are starting to realize the tax benefits of moving to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, and uh, it's a beautiful island. There's a lot of stuff to do. So yeah, I am totally excited to see what what will happen. Are you moving to Puerto Rico, Diego? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to, because if I do it, it'll have to be for the tax incentives, right? And then I have to spend yeah. six months over there uh, in one day. So maybe, we'll see. We'll see, um, That's hilarious. but it will save me a lot in taxes. I'll tell you that. Uh, Dude, it's like saving you money, and you get to dance salsa every day. Yeah, I don't know. Right? Seems like right. But what's good is we are getting started uh, in that market, so we'll yep. definitely keep you guys posted in our Instagrams, in our stories, um, and telling you all about it. And huge shout out to Paul for uh, helping us out. And it, it all happened because we flew to Boston, and that's where we met him. So thank you also, Karina, for uh, doing that intro. Huge, 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 huge. Well, Diego, before we get out of here, do you have any last words? Dude, really quick. Um, yeah. Just uh, I want to talk about the 34 units indication because okay. I know that you just got your ACH and then I got my check we did. yesterday. We got our first th oh, you did? Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. Go uh, ahead. Tell us, Diego. How much was it? How much uh, was it? It was, yeah, I mean, I we we can share it, it was 3800 yeah uh it was yeah. 3800 and uh yeah guys we're like super transparent so uh but what's cool about this is that this came from a relationship from somebody in rat race um that we actually began to talk about investing in multifamily from a rat race event from our from a retreat and um, what's been really cool is that now we we own the 16 unit with Phil and Tiago, of course. Uh, yep. And then uh, now that Phil has been growing, uh, he is one of the GPs in the 34 unit. And that's where you and I were one of the LPs. Uh, we closed on that one on the 34 unit in Aiken, South Carolina in January. And, um, and then now Q, like now we got our check for from q1 and yeah. uh, it is super passive right at the end of the day to be an lp is the most passive thing that Dude, i've never even do. been in the same state as that property <laughs> right you didn't That's even, how passive. yeah so um so it's good i'm excited and the reason why why i wanted to to share this uh is because both felipe and i are our investors um on that deal and we bought it with other partners, of course, for 2.2. And I believe that Phil sent us a text message that there are going to be comps, especially once we renovate um, the properties, a, a couple of the apartment units that um, it can appraise at 4.2 or something the, like in that. The fours, yeah, in the fours. And I'm like, holy crap, like that is the power of real estate and partnering with the right team. The team is super important. Um, the jockey, right? Betting on the jockey. Sometimes the, the this can is you explain that the betting on the jockey part because I don't think a lot of people realize what that means. Yeah. So the performa, right? The numbers that they tell you with your internal rate of return and all these numbers, 
they can fudge different numbers to make it look appealing. They can what, Diego? They can fudge different numbers. All right. Funny word. You can fudge uh, it. They can fudge the numbers, but what they cannot fudge is the reputation of the jockey. Right. The reputation of the guy that is that is gonna be the hands on the asset manager. Uh, based right. on their previous track record, based on the knowledge, based on their connections. So that is one of the things of why we did this with Phil is we're, be- we're, we're betting on him as the, as the jockey so that we can create that as a limited partner and then continue to invest in other deals with him in the future. So we're super excited. Why we did wanted to, to share that we did get our Q1 distribution um, because I feel like that is just a great opportunity because what's going to happen is we're making cash flow, but then at the end of this year, we're also going to do a cost segregation. And even though we're putting cash flow in our pockets, our K1 is still going to be negative, which means that we're, that, that is going to be tax-free money. So it's really important, guys, that of course, working as an employee is great at your job, but you get taxed from the top as an investor and as a business owner, you have your expenses and then you get taxed on what's left. So yeah, that's that's the last thing that I wanted to share, Felipe. No, that's huge. Like, are you kidding me? The 34 unit is gonna be such a blessing in regards to taxes. And then that $3,400, $3,800 cash flow check that we get every quarter, um, you know, just for, just for investing our money in it, it's huge. And like a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to be an active investor in real estate to, to do cash flow. You can be extremely super passive by just being an LP in deals and, and just fronting the money if you're a high income earner, right? Like don't put a million dollars in, well, I don't want to give legal advice or, or money <laughs> advice. Um, in my opinion, right? don't put a million dollars in the stock, put 200,000 in four or five people's deals and make $4,000 every three months per 200,000 that you put away or 150. Um, and you'll be like, you're going to make way more. You'll make 10, $12,000 every quarter that way. Like I would rather do that. You know, you're not going to get that return on the stock market. Anyways, man, what a great conversation that we had today, Diego. I know we didn't have a guest today. We have guests lined up. We're super excited for the guests that are coming. Um, but we wanted to do a catch up on who Diego and Felipe are and what we are doing. So super awesome guys. You can always find me on social media at Felipe Mejia REI and Diego at real Diego Corzo on Instagram as well. Diego, anything else you want to say before we jump out of here? No, we are good. We are good. The rap race to buy podcast where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.